Welcome to Painting Corners, your weekly podcast for all things baseball. Now, here are your hosts, Austin Hartsfield and Dave Kwiatkowski. Here comes a 1-2 pitch. Red Sox win the World Series. 5-1 to one the final tonight. And the best team in baseball wins it all in 2018. Welcome to Painting Corners, episode 8. 8, the number of World Series that the Red Sox had prior to Sunday night. I'm here with Dave Kukowski. Dave, uh, what did you think of the World Series? Uh, I thought it was the one of the best World Series of all time. Was, well, mostly because the Red Sox won. It was definitely you know, a personal that's pretty much why. Let's put it that way. Oh, I mean, of course. I mean, so we're MLB-wide. We talk about that all the time. We, had, we have guests on that are... Former major leaguers, current major leaguers, free agents. You know, we have we have great radio personalities and bloggers like White Sox Dave. And but we're Red Sox fans. And I said they were going to win in seven. You said they were going to win in six. And I said five. They absolutely. Oh, yeah, that's right. You, that's right. You did say five. You were it. very confident. You did. And they should have won in four. They absolutely dominated the Dodgers basically from the first inning of the first game. Yeah, top to bottom. I mean, there wasn't. There was probably in in the 18 inning game, we were texting back and forth, and we were like, we're kind of screwed because yeah, there was no point in that game. We're once, out of arms. Once, yeah, once we not even the arms part, it was more like once we tied the game and then immediately gave it up, it was like okay, now it's just a matter of time until Baldy falls apart. It yeah, just we, never fell apart. We were just a boxer like on their last breath, just kind of taking a swing out there, and we landed one, but then they just like hit right back so we were kind of screwed yeah uh game one I mean, and more importantly i don't the red sox are trailing what only a handful of innings the entire time oh yeah i mean if, first inning, you know first inning jumping on in the first inning huge part in the series oh massive i mean we got runs right away i mean it, it, game one i mean went out there mookie betts who did not have a great world series by any means uh, you know he showed up in game five when i guess it mattered the most but his two big games were game one and um, game two and five, I'd say. But game one, he got on base with a single, nice 0-2 pitch up the middle, really turned on Kershaw, and stole stole a base, stole a taco for America there from Taco Bell. And the Red Sox put on two up, two up right away. I mean, they were really on it from the from the jump on this Dodgers team. They, I mean, they really were. But you know, the Dodgers had some honestly equally good performances from, let's call him. Basically, Mr. World Series, David Freeze. The guy is a freak. The guy, once he gets in the postseason, it just becomes ridiculous. The guy can swing the bat. All of a sudden, he's an all-star again. It just doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. He plays the field ball, too. I mean, that guy doesn't have errors or anything like that. And you saw it in almost every game he was in. Even in the uh, the NLCS, he made a couple game-saving plays at first base, you know, early on in games before, they, before those got out of hand. And... You know, he was he was unbelievable and he was probably the only reason why they were even close in this series. I think I mean, uh, Muncie had a good series. Uh, he struck out a lot, but obviously that's what the Dodgers team does. They strike out. I'd say K- Kershaw had one of his worst series ever. Right. I I would think so. I mean, he had two bad games. Let's. I mean, they weren't terrible, but they weren't good. I mean, he gave up five earned runs in four innings in the first game. And he gave up, I think, four or five in the in the last game too. Yeah, just because 
I mean, Dave was going to let him ride. I mean, we're going to get to Dave Roberts in a second. But let's talk about the World Series heroes real quick. Uh, let's start with your boy. I mean, coming off an ALCS MVP, Jackie still looked really good when he did get to play and uh, comes up big with a big homer. Yeah, I mean, JBJ looked really good. Obviously, you know, he, he can hit the ball. We know that. It's just uh, being consistent. Had a big home run the eighth inning of that marathon 18-inning game. Obviously, plays gold glove defense. He should win one this year. This would be the year for him to get it finally. He he had a big a big series, but it, the whole World Series was really unsung heroes and guys that you didn't think were going to perform performed. And that goes with JBJ, Steve Pierce, Brock Holt, uh, both catchers. You know, Sandy and Vasquez. You had Nunez, who had an unbelievable game. In that game, uh, that game three, that 18 inning loss game, that was his best uh, game of the year, minus his one, his home run in the in game one. He he was electric that game. You had David Price, who had never done it in the playoffs and was huge. You had Nathan Avaldi, who was absolutely nails. Joe Kelly, I mean, all these guys that you know, not the big name. Kimbrel did not play well. You know, Mookie Betts did not play well. J.D. Martinez, once he got banged up with that with that ankle, did not play well. Bogarts did not play well. Benny, you had a two lot of guys. through like three, didn't two and two, three, four didn't play very well. Yeah, two, three, four didn't play well. Devers, huge, huge series from Devers as well. So it was all the unsung heroes and the guys that make the big bucks, the guys that carry the team. You know, the Sales, the Mookies, the JDs. They they had their moments. You know, Sale coming in, closing out. You know, saving the game. You know, closing it out there. That was a big moment. Mookie fitting. Betts and J.D. Yeah, very fitting against Machado as well. And, you know, you had Mookie and J.D. both hitting solo home runs in the clinching game. Very fitting. You know, the guys that carried the team all year. But even look at a guy like Moreland who, you know, was injured again this year in the playoffs but came off the bench. Huge three-run home run, you know, to turn that game four around. So this team just didn't quit. And, you know, the Dodgers had no answers. None. Walker Buehler pitched out standing like we can't say that enough the kid was nails yeah but he was unreal everybody else in that rotation was just subpar and oh it, yeah for sure i mean rich hill rich hill was actually really good now that i think about it but i mean it it comes down to managing and that's what i try to tell people when it comes to the postseason your manager is your is the biggest part of a postseason contender if you don't have a good manager you might as well just go home i mean look at the yankees yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good point. Look at the Dodgers. Dodgers have won the NL West last six years, and Rich Hill, to his credit, pitched really well in that one game. He, the only mistake he made was taking himself out too early. You know, he he told Roberts, take me out, and Roberts took him out, and he didn't fight it, and, you know, you can kind of go either way with that, but Boone is an awful manager. Dave Roberts is an awful manager, and I don't mean putting the lineup together, being a good guy. You know, these guys are great people. Dave Roberts is a hero in Boston. He's very well liked by his players, by his ownership, by the fans. Aaron Boone was a hero to the Yankees, you know, well liked, I guess, by the Yankee fans and Yankee faithful for a while. I don't know about after this year, but he was well liked and well received. But when you get to the in-game stuff, there's only a handful of managers that are really, you know, elite. Terry Francona, obviously one of them. And 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 now Alex Cora is in that conversation. You know, a lot of people said that AJ Hinch was getting stuff from Cora last year as the bench manager. And this year proved it. He managed the bullpen that everyone said was the worst bullpen in the playoffs of the whole league. Us included. So let's not. 
Yeah, we, yes, we said it was true. pretty bad too. Oh, it well, yeah, compared to Oakland, to compared to you know, New York, New York, and and the Astros. But I think we were one of the few people that said it's still good. It just needs some yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. They, they, everybody's just being too negative about the bullpen about the arms that were in there. I mean, yeah, he struggled, and I mean, hell, I throw Kelly out there, even though he struggled this year. Brazier was great. I mean, Hembry, Barnes, I love those guys. I think I think Barnes is awesome. Nathan Evaldi was our postseason MVP, basically. The dude. Yeah. When did, when was he bad? He wasn't at all. He he was the best player for the Red Sox all postseason. Like from start to finish, he started. He came in relief. He came in extra innings. He did everything. He was unbelievable. He's gonna get paid. Not many people deserve it more than that. I mean, a guy that goes through Tommy John, comes back, plays for only $2 million bucks, which in baseball is nothing, and is really thrown around all year. I mean, got traded, came over here, started. They skipped the start, I think. You know, got pulled after two innings once. And then he comes into the playoffs, and he's like, yeah, I'll do whatever you want, Cora. You know, I'll, I'll pitch one inning three nights in a row. I'll start a game. I'll come in for six innings of relief. I'll pitch the next day. The guy never said no, and he definitely motivated the team. Definitely. I mean, definitely. I mean, if we're, if that's the postseason pitching MVP, I mean, the postseason offensive MVP, it's kind of split, in my opinion. I mean, you have your boy, Jackie Bradley Jr., who was phenomenal. And then you have Steve Pierce, who, may, between Evaldi and Pierce, even, I mean, even Kinsler wasn't bad defensively outside of one play. And that's all the, that's the only play that any Red Sox fan is going to remember. But Kinsler was very strong for us defensively otherwise. And yeah, Kinsler was perfect minus that one play. Yeah, and Red Sox fans need to realize that the moves that Dombrowski made at the deadline were right. We didn't need we were the best team in the league, head over shoulders. There was no reason to go out and get a Machado, get a Mustakis, get a David Price. There was no reason to do that. We had all the pieces here. We needed depth and we needed certain positions filled. We needed a very, you know, we needed another legitimate, you know, starter. What It didn't have to be, you know, a Cole Hamels. It just needed to be a legitimate starter, which was Evaldi. We needed a, a guy that could hit lefties off the bench. And that was Pierce. I mean, those are the two things we needed. And we needed a, we needed a second baseman. That defensive play second defense. baseman. Yep, that could play defense. And that was Kinsler. And Dombrowski got out and got all those things. And, you know, we defended it for a long time, those guys. And I'm came through. I think, I think it's a three-way tie, to be honest with you. J.D. Martinez... Might have looked a little frustrating up there because he wasn't hitting the home runs. He batted over 300 in the playoffs. And he was second in the playoffs for percent of of RBIs with runners on. He always got a runner home when someone was on. Whether it be a bloop double down the right field line and an into outside swing. Whether it be the home runs in game one against the Yankees. Whether it be the solo shot in game five to kind of put the dagger in. The, you know, the Dodgers. Right. He was doing it all. It was just a little frustrating to watch singles and doubles. Right, because but, I mean, we're used to watching him hit 40 a year. Exactly. But I'll take singles and doubles and bat 300 and have all these RBIs over what Mookie Betts did and what Ben Attendee did and what Bogarts did, which was bat, you know, 200 with a double and a home run here or there. Right, right, right. Um, this is going to be a quick episode Talking-wise, just because we have such a great interview, uh, but let's talk about Manny Machado real quick. Yeah, so let's talk about Machado, then I want, then we got to talk about Dave Roberts. 
How much money did Manny Machado lose this playoffs? This playoffs and this postseason cost Manny Machado anywhere from fifty to hundred million dollars, and it was from his antics, from his mouth, and from his poor performance. He hit home runs, absolutely. He played unreal defense. Drove, I, in, I think he drove like, in RBIs. I mean, drove in RBIs, yeah. But his average wasn't high, and he's a usually a good average hitter, two eighty to three hundred, which is good. Obviously, it's. I mean, that's pretty much you know elite level, right? Three hundred. If you can bat three hundred every single year, I would say two eighty is but well above average. And but his comments about his lack of hustle, his comments about his team. His antics on the field, whether it be a slide, whether it be stepping on multiple ankles going down the first baseline, and just his poor attitude cost him fifty to hundred million dollars. He was looking at eight years to ten years, anywhere from two eighty to three hundred million. Now he's looking at six years to eight years, two fifty to two eighty. And yeah, is two hundred and fifty million dollars still a lot of money? Hell yeah. I would take that any day of the week. But three hundred million is a lot too. And if losing out is fifty million dollars. That hurts no matter who it is. What? Yeah, 100%. I mean, money's money at the end of the day. You can never have too much of it. Uh, Dave Roberts mismanaged the hell out of this World Series. But not only that, like every single manager before him, Alex Cora just simply outmanaged everyone. Yeah, Alex Cora pushed every single button the right way. Even when something didn't look right, it came out on top. You know, you look at the Nunez. Look at the Nunez home run. Devers was playing really well. Pinch hit for Nunez, who hasn't played in a couple day, a couple games. Looked awful at the plate. Looked lost the plate. Awful defensively. Comes in and hits an absolute missile off of Alex Wood, and then plays great defense in in Game Three of the World Series. The Moreland you know, home run. The Moreland home run. Another one where I was like, why, why Moreland? You know, he's hurt. He's over his last like seven with five Ks or something like that. Murders the baseball. I mean, he was right on every single thing, and it, it was all series. It was against New York, it was against Houston, it was against L.A. He nailed it. I mean, I, I was sitting there asking myself, what is Alex doing? And then I kind of had to remind myself, Austin, he hasn't been wrong yet. You know? No. So until he makes a mistake, give him everything. Let Give him the keys, let him drive this train, because he's going to drive it anyway. Yep. I mean... And it's the polar opposite of a guy like Dave Roberts, who two years in a row has got his team to the World Series, two years in a row has lost it because of his management. And it goes from every single game. Game one, putting leaving in Kershaw too long and then putting in Madsen. I, I, I just don't the see why. The overuse of Madsen in this series. And he it goes and then every time. Yep, every time. And then you think, okay, maybe, you know, it was one bad start. So they put him in again. He gets cooked again. I don't know why we did that. Then you go to game three. You put Kenley Jansen in for six outs. He's been awful this year because of his health. He finally got on track where he was he was he was better. Pitched really well. You still you not one hundred percent. Still not one hundred percent. And you asked for six outs out of him. Why would Multiple you do that? Multiple times throughout the series, by the way. Multiple times. So that happens. Tie game. You go all the way to what the. 14th inning, maybe 15th inning. I don't have it in front of me at this point. They put in Maeda over Urias. Urias is an absolute stud who made most of the Red Sox pitchers look silly in back-to-back games. You put in Maeda, who got so lucky he made a good defensive play because he was not pitching well. Yeah, he and struck was- out the side the first inning, and then he got to go back out, and he got torched. Yeah, and he got lucky to go out there. And 
got lucky that the Red Sox just ran out of arms and they couldn't push the runner home. And then game four, I mean, again, you asked for Kershaw. I mean, you asked—oh, no, it was, it was Jansen in game three, right? Yeah. Game, oh, no, it was game four again. Game four, you asked Jansen Jackie again. Jackie hit the six. home run off of Jansen. Yeah, but game four, they asked him for more outs, too, and he gave up another home run, didn't he? Yeah, he did it again. And they kept putting out—he keeps putting out these awful pitchers in bad situation where he has better guys there. And every time a guy came out of the bullpen, I was excited because, like, he put in Florio again. And Florio sucked, you know, the night before. I don't know what he was thinking. And then, obviously, game five, he went with Kershaw. That's his horse. So be it. And Kershaw got him beat. But Roberts, you know, multiple times. And in the lineup, you had Kike Hernandez in game five batting third. Kike Hernandez was batting 200, I think. And the only reason I think they even put him there was because he hit a home run off of Kimbrel the night before in a, in a nothing situation. We were up five runs going into the ninth inning. Kike Hernandez hit a home run to boost his average to 182. And, they, and he was a pinch hitter, too. He's not even like he started. And he batted him third in game five of the World Series. Why? And I don't think David, David Freeze played more than two ninth innings. No, they, he took Freeze out a lot. He put Madsen in, Madsen in Game Four as well, who gave up another run. I mean, he just he just kept putting guys out there that continually stunk, and his lineup choices were not good, and his pinch hitting situations were not good. At some point, the Dodgers have to look themselves in the eye and say, "Is this the guy we want there?" Because this is an analytics team, but it, he's shown two years in a row you need to, you know, have some type of ability in the postseason to actually manage. You know, you see two opposite ends of trades. You know, you see the Red Sox who went for more, you know, housekeeping trades, I guess is the term, to where they just went out and got somebody just to say that, hey, you know, we needed, this isn't great right now, so maybe add somebody right here. That way we have, we can say that we did it. The Dodgers swung for the fences. I mean, they give a lot to go get Manny Machado. Yeah, two years in a row they did that they've swung to the fences at the trade deadline in two years in a row. It hasn't worked. They got Darvish last year, who was big, and a big-time player didn't work out. Machado did well. Machado didn't play awful by any means. It was very fitting the but way he struck out on a so game. you have nothing but to show gone. for it. You have nothing to show for it besides another loss in the postseason. And what did he bat in the postseason, 230? Was it Machado, maybe? Something like that. I mean, he was batting 222 going into that last game. So he can't be much over that. I mean, it just shows where the mindset is for some of these teams. And it's not Magic Johnson and that ownership's group's fault that they keep losing in the, in the finals because they're getting there, right? They're getting to the – it was competitive last year, super competitive. They're putting it wasn't really the team on the year, field but. in order to do it. Yeah, it was just like a Dombrowski, a Dombrowski thing in, in Detroit. Dombrowski put the best team he could out there. It wasn't his fault they couldn't One of the perform. best rotations I've ever seen. Yeah. Machado ended up bad in 182, by the way. Sheesh. As he went 0 for 4 in the last game, including uh, three strikeouts. So, not a good World Series for Machado. Great World Series from our perspective, though. You got any uh, any last thoughts on it? Um, Yeah, I do, actually. Um, the Red Sox were the best team in spring training. The Red Sox were the best team Won in the, the regular great, season. Great yep. Uh, they were the best team in the regular season. They're the best team in franchise history. One of the best franchises in, in all baseball. 
they were the best team in the postseason. They won the they won the World Series. They were doubted in the first round. They were straight up underdogs in the second round. And the third round was, you know, the World Series, whatever. You know, I think they were favored finally. Yeah. But ESPN already put out their way too early power rankings. They're ranked fourth next year. Behind the three that they beat. Behind the three that they beat. I like the fact that everyone just keeps throwing no respect on the Red Sox name. The Red Sox were trolled three times in a row and three series in a row, and they dominated every game after. Aaron Judge went out and played New York, New York for some reason, and they got shit-stomped two games in a row after that. My boy Alex uh, Bregman. Bregman, who was a great sport about it afterwards, tweeting and uh, keeping up with the Sox all the way through the World Series. He put up a stupid video about Evaldi giving up uh, back-to-back-to-back home runs when he was on Tampa. And then they got won back-to-back-to-back games in Houston. Yep, and then the Dodgers, they win an 18, you know, seven-hour-long marathon game on a cheapo oppo home run from a guy who, you know, is trying to pull the ball. And they go out and tweet damage was done. They scored three runs in 18 innings. Didn't win a game after that. And then they won a game after that. And now ESPN is throwing a lot of disrespect on this team. This team has the chip on their shoulder. They have that swag back. They have that close family knit feeling that you got back from 04 and from 13. 07, I don't even know if it was a, it was a, if it was a family thing or they were just so damn good. Yeah, but 07, 07, there was just too much talent for the rest of the league. too much talent. And I think 04 and 13, it was so very close knit and everyone rallied around each other. And this team's very similar to 04. The talent's there, the family aspect's there, the manager's there. They're going to come back next year, and, and they're going to seriously contend to go back-to-back. And I think the league just needs to realize that this team's legit, and this wasn't a fluke. Because I just get the feeling that everyone's thinking this was a fluke for some reason. Everybody's thinking that they were the Cubs. You know, they were... Not that the Cubs aren't good, because the Cubs are going to be in the playoffs every year, but... They're yeah, they, 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 they they're lost They're not going to get back, is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, 100%. And this team will be back in the LCS, hoping next year. You're right. I, that's what I hope. I mean, that's that's the plan. And if they get Nathan Evaldi back, watch out. Because that guy might be your regular season number three or number two. But come playoff time, he might be your closer. Yeah. David Price opts in. Uh, has already opted in. Chris yes, Hill, uh, they just picked up his player option. So the entire rotation is back minus Evaldi as of right now. But this, this team's not going anywhere. You're just losing a bunch of role players. Yeah, losing a bunch of role players. You lost Kimbrel. Um, oh, some no. people would say that's okay. Yeah, some people would say that's all right. Joe Kelly's UFA. You got to bring him back. But uh, that's enough Red Sox talk because we're going to get into that in our offseason preview. But got to throw some respect on the Red Sox name. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I want to apologize for how I sound. I am super, And you sound great. Yeah, I sound super, super sick because I am. Like, really sick. Uh, but we did an interview today. Probably one of our best yet, right? Yeah, it was awesome. It was unbelievable. Guy is an absolute beauty, and I hope he listens to all this three hours later and he hears me say that because he was awesome. And what better way to start the offseason than with a free agent of our own? Here is our interview with former Reds pitcher and former Brewers prospect. And Shackelford with a base hit into center field. First career hit for Kevin Shackelford comes off John Lackey on this August 22nd, 2017. 
That's a good swing. And right back through the box. Look at Blackie covering up. All right, Kevin. Growing up in Charlotte, who did you idolize growing up baseball-wise? It doesn't even have to be baseball-wise, honestly. It could be anybody. Yeah, I mean, God, I say, I would say uh, King Griffey. I think everyone, I think everyone loved King Griffey. Uh, and that's a great one. Yeah, um, you know, I had a Yankees hat. Um, but then again, you know, Chipper Jones, since uh, the closest baseball team was the Braves, so I would say it's probably a combination of those three. You're already a winner because Chipper is. Yeah, <laughs> Chipper's, I love Chipper so much. It's my dude. <laughs> yeah. All right. So. Uh... So you went to uh, the College of Marshall. That's where you yep. went, to, went to play. What's your favorite moment from when you were there? Ah, uh, man, I would probably just say freshman year when we, uh, when we, well, we 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 made it to the championship game, which no one expected us to, and because uh, we're kind of like a we we're like a ragtag team, and uh, we should have won if we could just turn one double play, we'd have won the, and beat Rice, which I think Rice is like number one or number two. At the time, you'd have to fact check me on that. I'm not sure, but yeah, we'll take your word for it. Number one toughest team in the nation. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I would say that just that tournament and uh, maybe the few uh, bench clears that we had. <laughs> those are kind of hilarious. Oh, always. Those are always a good time. You're I you're let, you're what yeah. thirty, right? So that that's around the yeah, Brock Holt Rice years. About to be thirty. Yeah. Yeah. Brock Holt went to Rice around that time. I don't know if he was on that team, but around there yeah i mean they had some good dudes uh i think uh i mean like just people like singrani tony singrani uh they're just a Ryan baseball Dirty. factory man i was gonna say they've been good for years they're like a vanderbilt yeah. in a way where they just always every year have somebody good coming out of there yeah they've had they had some studs i don't know if many of them have like materialized but they had oh rent uh <laughs> anthony rondon oh yeah that's right yeah. I remember <laughs> there we go <laughs> So what oh, yeah. uh, what made you choose Marshall? Was it just, it's not really close to home, so what was your reasoning? Yeah, it's like, it was about five hours away from home. That's um, not bad. I had, yeah, we, I knew the coach a little bit beforehand, mm-hmm. and uh, basically, basically, NC State was messing around with money, um, so they didn't have a for sure <clears throat> offer, but they said, hey, come spring, we'll have we'll have some money for you. Um, Penn State offered me, but 60 plus percent was still was still going to cost me more to go to Penn State than if at Marshall at 40 percent. So that played into it. And uh, just I knew that I could play. I wanted to play freshman year and I knew that um, with the, you know, the guys there that I could I had a really good chance to play freshman year. And I and I did. If I could just hit worth of crap, I would have started. But uh, but I couldn't hit, and that's why I'm pitching now. <laughs> well, that works. Yeah, that's the yeah, next that question. actually works out. Yeah, our <laughs> next question. I, I do have a big league hit, like you guys. Yeah, you, you guys have the out. only big league hit that, of anybody that we've had. So it's true. And that's you know what? Fair. You're just part of pitchers who rake now. That's just gonna be that's gonna be it now. So <laughs> you you did switch. You were a catcher at one point in your life, and for the majority of yep. your life. And then you switched. Was it a personal thing? Was it you were just messing around throwing, you know, BP one day and just firing missiles in there? Like, what was the reasoning that you switched and how did it kind of become? It was a combination of uh, health and politics, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, That's good answer. Yeah, I was, I've, I've, I've been a catcher since Little League, you know, <clears throat> and uh, so I caught Little League high school, middle school, high school 
College. I never. I pitched like five times in high school and a little bit in little league, but I was predominantly a, a catcher. But I had uh, torn meniscuses in both knees, and it was junior year. It was kind of like, all right, let's just get through uh, the fall season, or let's. Uh, I'm have surgery in the off season or in the fall rather. Uh, Christmas break, so I got surgery, and um, I think I just started throwing a little bit. And uh, coach, actually, let me back up because it was I threw off the mound a little bit because we knew I was gonna get surgery, and it was a pretty minor surgery, like meniscus or whatever. And uh, so I threw a little bit, hit some numbers, and the coach was like, "Oh shit!" Like <laughs> that's basically what he said. He's like, "Why didn't you tell me you could pitch?" And uh, I was like, "Hey, I've been telling you, give me, give me out on the bump." And uh, so basically, from there after surgery. Um, it was kind of, I, th- I think, uh, some uh, one of the kids' dads had his hand in the in the back pocket of the coach, um, and uh, so I would say politics and health, because um, I also wanted to be able to walk when I was forty, <clears throat> and I feel like if at six four catching, they put a lot of stress on my knees and and all that stuff. Yeah, my brother caught throughout pretty much all of Little League, and he tore both of his meniscuses by the time he got – he was a sophomore in high school. It was just awful. Yeah, it's – you know, the way I set up too, like I collapsed my knees and my ankles yeah. and all that, so I get really low, and that's just putting so much stress all the way up on the kinetic chain. So Yeah, and you're a big a dude too, so. Yeah, Absolutely. So did it, no. did it help at all, you, you being a catcher prior to that? Did it help with pitch sequencing or anything? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I was a, I was a, you know, pitcher's catcher, like defensive catcher. So I, uh, you know, most of the guys you, if you talk to, I mean, they would say that I could call a pretty good game. Um, so with, cause I, I would call games from high school, basically from, yeah, from freshman year on up to, to college. Like I would call the pitches. So I got pretty good at it. And, uh, that definitely helped, uh, when I started, pitching because now i'm sitting here you know because people can listen you can listen to a catcher but sometimes the guys that are catching you don't know crap right and you start that out and then they're calling stuff where you're like what why would i why would i throw that um so yeah it, it definitely helped me a lot and uh especially the past couple of years um i i mean you could probably just look at like stats especially in the minor leagues and i really started to take over and call my own games and then I think you could see a basically my ERA and every and my my uh, numbers kind of jump because I just took ownership on every pitch that I threw. Hey, that works. Yeah, I mean that makes a lot of sense. I mean you got to know your stuff, and I mean once you get healthy again and everything like that, I think that having that mindset still being like I know what the pitchers wanted before. Well, now you're the pitcher, so it's even better. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, it's funny. I was talking to Bronson Arroyo and, uh, Oh, what a, what a legend. We're Red Sox fans. So yeah. what a legend that guy is. Bronson's like one of my most, he's, I don't, you know, I obviously don't know him as much as, uh, as well as other people, but I got to spend some time with him. And, um, it's funny as I, I was actually at last year or no, this year it's for father's day. I was at his, I was hanging out with him at his place, <laughs> but, That's great. um, we, I would talk to him a little bit about, pitch like you know hey did you you know how would you approach this and did you call your own pitches and he said he th- he called every pitch except for every pitch he'd ever thrown uh all from all the time he played except for one year 
and that was like that was when he was with the Pirates, and he was like a younger guy, and he had a really veteran catcher. Right. But even he said, you know, with you know, with all the other guys, all the other catchers, he's he uh, he would pitch to. He he would call his own game, and he had signals and all that stuff to uh, to make sure that they knew what he wanted to throw. And I'm like, that's the way it should be, because yeah. no one knows you better than you. And hey, it's like, man, I can't get a hold of my curveball today. So why the hell would I throw it? You know? Yeah. No, it Stuff makes it. Like you know, so. No, it makes a ton of sense. Speaking of all that, obviously it goes along with it. You know, how long did it take you to develop more than just a two-seam fastball? Because obviously thrown behind the plate, you're just throwing four seams and two seams back to the pitcher over and over. So how long did it take you to develop, you know, the rest of your repertoire? And what's your favorite pitch to throw now? Yeah, man, it took me a while, actually. Um, I would, you know, it's funny. is uh, John Farrell, the coach for the Red Sox, right? Of course. World, <laughs> World Series champion. <laughs> yeah, well, his, his son was my roommate. Uh, in college, Shane. Oh, really? You're just yeah, full Shane of surprises. Yeah, you yeah, just know no. you got all the red. When are you gonna be on the Red Sox, man? You got all these connections. You just gotta get over here. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I just want to go to a team who pays me. Right. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But uh, Shane taught me how to throw my sinker, and he goes, "Yeah, John Lester uh, throws it like this." I don't know if he still does it or not, but it's basically a one seam. So I started throwing that, and I think if I didn't have that, I I probably would have been out of baseball a long time ago. But that gave me the chance to keep playing, and then I started to mess around with sliders and all that. And it wasn't until uh, 2000. Well, it wasn't until 2012, <clears throat> basically, where I started to actually figure out a good slider. But it wasn't until I would say probably 16, 17, where I perfected it, and then I tweaked it. I started learning how to tweak that my slider that I could make it a little sharper or, or bigger. And then I, I, from 12 to 16, I started learning how to throw it harder and harder and harder. And then so basically my good sliders would be from, I don't know, 80, 86 to 88. And uh, that's my, that probably be my favorite pitch. And that was that in 17, uh, I guess last year, that was the pitch that got me to the big leagues. Cause I started learning how to make it a little bit bigger and, and, just putting away guys like you know three pitches like boom boom put them away um and i also added a cutter as well which i think was a huge uh uh bonus for me because then i could then i just started running it up and in on on lefties and and then throwing that uh slider back foot and then you know it was was like they had no chance and it was that was when it was really fun you know Um, everybody should have a cutter like I mean, it's a great pitch, especially if you, you know how to throw it. And I was still on the cutter, like, at 94 to 96. Jeez. So, yeah, and now the cutter I still hadn't perfected. Right. Because um, sometimes it would do – I think Dexter Fowler, he, he hit a home run off me, and I threw a cutter, and it didn't do anything. Oh, the um, classic cutter that doesn't cut. You know you it, know what happens then. <laughs> absolutely. But, uh, but one time I was facing Travis Shaw, and I was killing him with – with the cutter like i put him in a boot the the night that he was uh he left the the field um uh, miller miller park in a boot because he kept fouling off these cutters i think <laughs> one hit his his uh his knee and then another one hit his ankle and oh he was all messed up but those are that's when it's fun when you know it's it's really good and they're trying to hit it because they know it, you know it might be a strike or whatever and they're just fouling it off themselves those lefties 
But uh, well, and then you got that yeah. slider that just kind of it. It looks like a fastball almost the whole way through, and then it takes that sharp turn. And at that point, the hitters are already swinging anyway. Like, yeah, and, and yeah, absolutely. As long as you can get everything to tunnel right and look exactly like your fastball, then that's that's what you really want. And that's what I started to get pretty good at. Um, but it is, I tell you, when I got out to the big leagues, it's, it's total. It's a big adjustment uh, from the baseballs, which pe- people don't realize that the minor league balls and the ba- big league balls are completely different. So really? your spin rate actually will drop. And it's like it's not the seams; it's it's how they rub it up. And it's basically like someone just dumped a bunch of baby powder on the baseballs and said, "Here you go, throw with it." So when I first got up there, I'm almost killing people because I'm like, I don't even know where this thing's going. My slider wasn't doing what it was supposed to. Like when I when I faced the Brewers on my debut, I had no idea what anything was doing because it felt like everything was just slipping, and my sliders were kind of like we call. It, we call it like lag time. Like the sliders just weren't sharp. They're just kind of lagging in the zone. And uh, it was just, it's just like you had to really learn how to, to throw with those balls. And it sounds crazy and it sounds like an excuse, but it, it's, it's really, it's not. And a lot of people go through it. I think uh, when I was with the Brewers and Jimmy Nelson got called up, he hit, he kept hitting people like left and right. And people were getting pissed off. And he's like, I just can't, he's like, I couldn't figure it out. You know, it's like, I just didn't have grip. But then you figure out, you know, um, how to how to control it a little bit better, and and then you get your stuff down down pat. So was the ball yeah. was the ball the biggest adjustment between AAA yeah. and the big leagues? Hundred percent. It's it's not the batters. The batters are the batters are good. I I would say the batters are you know they're not the batters are good in AAA, but they're obviously not big league talent. That's clearly it's clear evidence, obviously, but. The same thing will happen is, you know, there's some guys that in AAA that if you miss your spot, they'll crush it. Obviously, in big leagues, it's it's amplified by like 100 because you miss your spot, then all of them are going to crush it. But if you can execute your pitches, you're going to get outs and you're going to be fine. Um, and that's, you know, it was just the ball. Like, it, I think you, you could probably look at my, my stats. When I first got up there, they were kind of crappy. And then my September was totally different. My se- it was like Jack on Hyde, but I learned how to get the control the ball, and I started um, pitching to my game. And you could you could see a night and day difference on, you know, just that those two months um, that I was there. So <clears throat> definitely the ball is the big was the biggest difference. Yeah, I didn't know about the balls being that big of a difference. I know that. You know, people always come up and they have trouble finding the zone sometimes with those with those movement pitches. And and like you said, everybody should have some type of cutter. You need some type of fastball movement. Anybody can hit a hundred down the pipe. It it comes down yeah. if you can move it a little bit. So yeah, it's not a fastball league anymore. And what no. I mean by that is it's everyone's throwing so hard that I mean kids in high school are seeing ninety six, ninety eight. So it's not like you know ten years ago where you know hey your your top guys threw you know, 97, 98, maybe a hundred, you know, you had maybe one of those on each team. Now it's like everyone's throwing hard as crap. So you definitely need that movement and he, and even more so you need a good off speed pitch to put people away. So uh, yeah, it's definitely about movement and, and throwing, being able to get people out in the zone because everyone's going to spit on anything that obviously looks like a ball out of hand. So yeah. that's, that's definitely, Yeah. <clears throat> Cutter, 
kind of help equalize equalize it. Yeah. So speaking of movement, before we get to the fa- you were traded, obviously, yes. but before that you were drafted, of course. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee took you in the twenty first round. Yeah, correct. So what was that like? What was the process like? Uh, did you get a lot of talks beforehand? You you know you were pretty bang middle draft pick, right? I mean, you weren't top yeah. ten, you weren't a bottom forty, you're right in the middle. So. Yeah. Did scouts talk to you the day before? Did you just get a phone call? How'd, how'd that go? Yeah, I mean, I, I, my uh, pitching coach was talking, you know, getting some, uh, you know, getting some uh, scouts talking to him and all that. And then I got some letters and whatnot and talked to a few, few guys. But honestly, when the uh, Brewers drafted me, um, my scout Dan Nolan called me and was like, uh, the area scout called me and I've never talked to him before. He's like, uh, hey, uh, you know, this is, you know, it's the Brewers, we're, we're going to draft you in the 21st round, and congratulations, you're a Brewer. So I'd never even talked to them, ever. I thought I'd probably get uh, drafted by the Cardinals or the uh, Yankees. Um, but so, yeah, I had no prior uh, communication from, from the Brewers beforehand, and then they drafted me, and I said, all right, cool. And uh, then, yeah, just once we signed, then I was officially a, uh, a Brewer. That's cool. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, it was, it was very cool because I was uh, I was ready to leave Marshall and and uh, you know I said hey screw it like you know give me some money and I'll and I'll go let's see what what happens. Yeah, you might as well. You can always go back to school, right? I mean, you started and you could Ooh, go back tomorrow if you wanted to. Yeah, and I oh God, I, it drives me nuts, man. When when I hear kids turn down all this money, like if you get drafted and you have life changing money in front of you, don't go to college and turned down like we had a kid in charlotte turned down uh like 1.3 mil and he went to school because he's like oh, i want to go to school Sheesh. i'm like like dude and i mean he still he still got drafted and he got like two hundred thousand. but <laughs> when you're out a million dollars that's a lot of money and yeah, what people don't understand is like hey all right so you get 200 300 grand out of high school take it get someone to manage your money and then make sure that they pay for school after you're done with uh, baseball. It's yep. like it's a no-brainer to me. It's I don't know. It just drives me nuts when I hear people turn down money and and free college. Oh yeah, no. I had a friend that um, from a while ago that was drafted by the Pirates in the 18th round, and he ended up leaving baseball. But in his contract, it said if he leaves, he can go back to. He went to the University of Rhode Island, where I went, and uh, if he goes there, go back to URI, and they'll pay for they'll pay for it. So the Pirates paid for his last year, and he didn't have to pay for it. Absolutely. I'm actually doing online school right now um, at Marshall and the Brewers are paying for it. Yeah. No, it's great. It's a great thing. And and like you said, it's life changing money. I mean, twenty thousand dollars is a lot of money, but it's not life changing. No. You know, but one point two, one point two, that first slot money, you know, I'd say once you get over 200 or something like that. I mean, dude, (laughs) you got to take because if you go to college and you get hurt, then you're going to be kicking yourself. Why didn't I take, you know, a quarter of a million dollars? Oh yeah, if you get five hundred thousand to go play winter ball, you're gonna get there in three years anyway. That five hundred thousand can buy you a house, a car, you're set for a long time. If they're Absolutely. if they're paying you that much money, they're obviously gonna be willing to push you through the system. Like you won't oh, be down for more than five years. Okay. Oh yeah, and and another thing is what uh, kids in high school and I don't know who's gonna listen to this, but you know if if you're if you are a, a bonus baby is what we call them, right? Right. And someone gives you a lot of money. Well, then that what that means, what that really 
relates to in in our world is more chances to fail basically because if you're a if you're a 21st rounder like me no one cared about me i mean they gave me 40 grand which is good like i'm not complaining right a lot of people got no money senior signs right and basically when you're a senior sign and you get or you're a late round pick they just they pick you yeah they like you and it's kind of like well if something happens then that's good if not we don't care so you don't have as many chances to uh screw up and you see all these first rounders that that just are terrible and just get chance after chance after chance and then once they do something good like one year they have a good year oh we got to move them. we're moving them you know, because basically what it is, is people in the front office and scouts are trying to cover their butts because, yeah. hey, trying to buy why we gave this kid $1.5 million and he's doing terrible. So so if you get you get a lot of money, that means you have more chances to fail. You just get you get more opportunities to to, you know, more more time in the minor leagues to develop as a player. Whereas you're a late round guy, you got to put up right now or you're gone. Well, it's like you have you have guys like that, right? You have the kids that don't take the money in the late, even in like the mid rounds. You know, that's still a lot of money. And then you have yeah, guys yeah. like Mark Appel who gets drafted first overall by the Astros and just doesn't want to play for the organization. So he goes back to school after being picked like third or first overall. Like, it just doesn't make sense. No, uh, yeah, I uh, yeah, I don't know about his situation. I, I but. He, he's he's set for life. I think he's out of baseball right now, but yeah. he, like he's set for life on uh, his finance financials. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. So you get traded. What was that day like? Uh, do you get a call? Is it a manager meeting? They send you to Cincinnati. <clears throat> Are you excited? Yeah. Well, actually, it was after a season in uh, fourteen, and I had uh, I was dealing with some injuries. Uh, I didn't really know how to play through. I had a uh, pretty banged up hamstring and uh, some some ankle stuff going on, and my arm was just kind of shot from the fall league, and then go from fall league to big league camp. That was the most ball I've ever I've ever done, you know, as a pitcher. So I wasn't, the, and I got the 13. I got put on the 40 man. So I come into spring training, and my velo's down, and I'm just kind of banged up, and super tired, and. Um, so I got DFA'd in 14, and then after the season, uh, they called me probably like 10 days after the season and uh, said that I was one of the players to be named in the Broxton trade. And uh, uh, honestly, it was just a relief because uh, <clears throat> I was just I was just ready to kind of move on um, and you know start fresh somewhere. And so it was honestly it was it was exciting. I was ready to kind of see what what the Reds. Uh, held for me and and ever since i've been with the reds i mean i i like them a lot they've uh you know did things different than uh than the brewers and but there are a lot of good people at the brewers but uh i really like the the reds and how they did things and and uh it's been a good it was a good move for sure well that's good to hear i mean we've talked to a few people before and they and they've all kind of said the same thing where it's it almost like the perfect storm of when you're traded and it's like oh I was banged up or, you know, I was struggling. I was looking for something new and, you know, everyone was just at a crossroads and it's not, it seems like the front office also kind of gets that vibe a little bit sometimes and not all the time, of course. And yeah. some guys are blindsided by it and, and that's going to happen. It, it is a business, but it seems as though that, you know, it seems that your managers and the players and the front office do talk. And it seems as though that they know some guys that are either hurt or banged up or, 
you know, want to move back home or even like a Stephen Piscotty thing where his mom was very sick and he wanted to get closer to California again. So they traded him out to Oakland. And, you know, that's that's a rare you know example there of extreme. But it just yeah. seems as though everyone's kind of cognitive of what's going on. And it seemed like it worked out really well for you. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely can be the case. And uh, yeah, I think it worked out pretty well. Oh, yeah, I, I would say so. So, you know, you get traded over and then you get called up you get to the reds you get your big moment it was uh june 27th 2017 shout out to austin for digging that up i actually made your debut on my birthday hey <laughs> there you go that, that's that, awesome and that's why so you get called up and you are the only major leaguer that we have interviewed that has a hit and you're a pitcher <laughs> yeah. just there another great a, a great thing there i think but, you're the only one with an bat too Lack- yeah you might be the only you one hit it off lackey yeah, he had to, he had to just throw it right down, down the middle. <laughs> he must have been so pissed. I think he was, but you know what? He got the last laugh because I actually got jammed and I had to go out for another inning, and then I looked like a total, you know, a hole because I walked three guys. So I couldn't feel my thumb. My my thumb it vibrated my thumb so bad that it it kind of so swelled. Oh, so man. it's it's funny, man. It's like. Yeah, every pitcher wants to hit, but once you get jammed so bad that you can't feel the ball in your hands, you're like, okay, nah. It's like this is uh, – got to wear one of those thumb guards. Oh, yeah. I'm sure everybody – every single – well, before I get to the actual question, I'm going to I'm gonna side – take this to the side. I'm sure every single pitcher wants the NL to adopt the DH. I feel like it's just got to be Unless like you're that. like mad bum to where you're going to hit yeah. 250 every year. Well – I would say I would argue the opposite because if you're smart, if you're a pitcher, and you're smart and you're in the NL, then with us having to throw to the pitcher, that should be an automatic out. Yeah, so it should be. It should be. What you, what you should do if all right, say you have man on first and I mean, heck, say you have man on first, man on first and second, whatever, eight holes up, pitchers, pitchers behind them. I mean, why not pit kind of? pitch around the, the 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 eight hole guy to get to the pitcher as long as you know that you know they uh well if you're a starter rather if you're a starter you should you, you should do this you know or could do this pitch around the eight hole get to the pitcher so you you better get him out like that's almost a guaranteed out as, as far as you know major league baseball i mean obviously there's some people like you know obviously michael lorenzen or mad bomb yeah i was about to say lorenzen <laughs> You know, but for most pitchers, I mean, come on, like you, you should, you should get a uh, now. I was actually talking to Jeff Brantley about that. He he said he would actually kind of pitch around guys because he knew he had the pitcher up coming up next. So you know, he he kind of the manager would come in. Why'd you walk that guy? Why'd you? He's like, because the pitcher's coming up. If I can't get him out, then I shouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean, yes and no. I don't know. I guess you can make an argument for both. Do you like hitting? I, do you? Yeah, that's, yeah, that was my question. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's awesome. Oh, I do mean, you? All right, that's cool. Because a lot of guys, I mean, especially like you look at a guy like Lester or, or, or David Price up there. David David yeah, was up Price. there the other night and just like throwing the or, bat at it. Yeah, Erod <laughs> Erod was not happy to be up there. Yeah, I I I love it because it's you. That's the one thing. That's like my one chance where I. No, I don't. I'm not expected to get a hit, so I have nothing to lose. So why would I not go up there and? Yeah, no, go up there hacking. Absolutely. So, 
you you get called up and uh where were you when it happened how'd that go were you at the field were you you know was it like mlb the show you got called into the manager's office said hey we love you congrats or was it very what, you know what cash was what was that oh sorry it like broke up what you oh, guys no, I was saying, what was it like when you got called up? Was it like MLB The Show where, you know, you got called into the manager's office and, hey, bud, we love you. You're getting called up. Here's your chance. Or was it casual you were home and after the, after the game you got a text saying, hey, you're getting called up tomorrow? Uh, nah, we, I was actually in Norfolk, uh, Virginia, and I knew something was up because I didn't go in to close the game. And I kept – I was kind of talking to the pitching coach like, hey, like, what are they doing? Why? Because I had to opt out. Uh, coming up and so they I was either gonna opt out or they had to put me on the 40 man and Basically, I didn't go in to close a game. So I'm like, okay, this is weird I either got traded or I'm getting called up and then uh, Bob who is Delano de Shields We call him Bob uh, The manager at the time and he comes in and he's like hey get over Hey, you going to the show in front of everybody <laughs> and you no know, so it's kind of like oh like trying to hold in your tears because you work so hard everyone comes up gives you a hug um, It was a great moment. It's it was uh, <clears throat> definitely one of the best moments in, in my career. Um, you know, it's something you work so hard to uh, for. And then it's just it's just nice to see all the love you get, too, um, from, from all the guys. But, uh, yeah, so it just you were in the locker room, and he comes out and, you know, says, hey, get, over. get out of here. You're going to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. No. I mean, that's nice to see. Nice to hear that all the boys have your back, and everyone wants to see everybody succeed. Because there's, at the end of the day, you know, if you get called up over another pitcher, it's like, wow, that could have been me. But you know, there's there's plenty of spots on the rosters, and you got to be a good sport about it and a good dude, you know, yeah. so that you, yeah, because that reflects. I mean, you don't want to yeah. be an asshole. Because if you're an asshole, people are going to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it it baseball is a crazy it's a crazy sport because it's a it's a team sport, but it's a bunch of individual like you're basically in pro ball you're playing for yourself but you got to play for the team as well and there's a fine line of being a terrible teammate and 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 looking out for yourself because you have to look out for yourself but you have to be a good teammate too so there's sometimes where some people struggle with that but for the most part i mean especially through the reds organization all the players have been just awesome like i mean we got a lot of good guys all through the ranks and uh at the Reds organization. So either they, they vet the kids pretty good or, you know, I don't know, they just got lucky. But everyone's usually pretty happy for people that get called up. So who who's the best hitter that you faced to this point? Man, uh, I mean. Anybody tag you pretty good? Oh, God. <laughs> Everybody. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, see, I mean, McCutcheon's, he, he hit one off me. He he had a homer. He's a pretty obviously a good hitter. You got yeah. Freddie Freeman's a good hitter. Um, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think. Well, hell, one of the best one of the best hitters of this generation's on your roster, so that helps. At least you don't have to face <laughs> Joey. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I never faced him actually. <laughs> it's pro- um, yeah, but uh, God, I don't know. I, I you know what's funny is in spring training I faced Ichiro, and I thought that was just. That's so that's cool. Sick. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, just, like, holy cow! Like, I have your Ichiro rookie bobblehead still in my mom, you know, in my room at my parents' place, and I'm sitting here facing you. I'm like, this is just, I don't know. It was, it was, there's something about it that I was just like, wow, this is cool. But uh, 
So I was like, all right, I got to strike out Ichiro. So I did. <laughs> you got him? But he's 40. Yeah, I guarantee you, back in his day, he probably would have shot one through the mill or something. <laughs> but, but I mean, I don't know. There's There's been some good hitters. I mean, obviously, yeah, like people like Chris Bryant and uh, – I mean that you know Cubs lineup is pretty pretty decent, and you got you know people like Travis Shaw. Yeah, it's okay there. And, um, yeah, I mean I don't know, but you know what? I, I try not to give them any credit because right. they're all human. Uh, one, you know, one some great advice my uh, pitching coordinator gave to me. He goes, he's like, if you face Mike Trout or you face Joey Votto, he's like, you're not facing Joey Votto the superstar or Mike Trout the superstar. You're facing you're facing Mike Trout, the man, and he bleeds just like you. So, and that told me they're just dudes that are they're human, just like us. And yeah, some of them good, but that doesn't mean you can't get them out or you shouldn't get them out. So, and I tell I tell kids all the time, don't give the hitter too much credit because a lot of times you'll do that and you'll psych yourself out. Um, so you know, and attack people, and and then they'll tell you what what you did wrong or what you need to work on or what you can't throw. And most of the time, you figure out if you got good stuff, then and then your good your stuff's gonna play as long as you get ahead and keep keep stuff low and make them uncomfortable, you know. So, yeah, that's the name of the game. Just make everybody uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, you don't want anybody to feel too comfortable in that box. So um... that's what you know. It's funny is uh, we've gotten away from that honestly, and you can tell that the game's changed so much that. People don't want you to throw inside, and right. it's a piece of, so someone like uh, it's. I will throw inside on a guy if I like. I'll throw way in, and you can see their face. They're like, "What the heck?" Like, you know. Yeah. And that tells me like, okay, yeah, like don't get comfortable, man. So and it's it's just funny though because sometimes I feel catchers call away from from uh, trying to own the inside, and that's something that Danny Darwin hit on a lot. And that's something that I was kind of brought through, uh, you know, hey, you have to be able to throw inside and make people uncomfortable. And hey, if you hit them, who cares? Like, you know, like you don't want to hurt them, but you got to sometimes you got to hit somebody to prove a point. Oh, yeah. You got Rizzo over there, you know, basically, yeah. you know, on the plate. I mean, what are you going to do? He he, he yeah. gets hit striking out sometimes. I mean, yeah, he just, he, he's that, guy, that close. He, he's he's right on top of the plate. Yeah. And, you know, you yeah, got to attack that. Yeah. And then you got people that that dive across the plate, like uh, oh, yeah. Orlando Garcia or yeah. uh, even Baez. Baez, I think, he probably got a little bit better. But like when I faced Baez, coming up through the system, I would literally throw a first pitch slider. I mean, he's obviously way better now. But you throw like a first pitch slider, swing and miss. Next pitch, buzzed it right by his by his chin, and he gets so pissed. So what? <laughs> that then he starts over swinging, and you're like, oh, I got you all day. Um, but obviously now he's he's toned that down. He's I mean, Baez he's a hell of an athlete. Yeah, I mean this is the first year though he finally he. But it's funny you say that because up until this year it was his strikeouts. He would bat two thirty two forty, but it was his high strikeout rate, and it was just because he would just Absolutely. chase. Absolutely, and, and or they're you know they're finding that out with the Orlando Arcia, and Arcia yep. is hell of an athlete. Once he figures out his swing and and you know try to figure out his strike zone, he's gonna be really good. Because I mean I'll tell you what, of all the people I play with. That guy, he's electric when he when he's on. Um, so I actually got to play with him for a little bit, and uh, yeah, Arcia, he's a, he's a stud. 
Yeah. So uh, you mentioned obviously you don't want to hurt anybody when you when you throw in on anybody. Obviously, you're not trying to do that. If you tag somebody in the ass, you know, obviously, you know, you'll, you'll shoot him a text later, buy him a beer if you see him in the off season. But eh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but you uh, you've had some injury problems. You talked about your meniscus. You yeah. you know you talked about some other things. Your hammy, little things. But you had the big one. You know the the old the old Grim Reaper back in the day. Yep. which is Tommy John, not not the case anymore, guys. Look at Walker Bueller, look at Nathan Involdi, under 30 years old, coming back yep. and, and throwing gas. You just had that. So what's next for you? What What's your big plan? Do you think that, you know, come this time next year, you'll be still on that major league roster pitching into the, you know, the end of the season? Well, you know, well, I'm sure you know, like right now I'm obviously not on – a team, yeah, um, kind, yeah. Of, kind of limbo. Um, but the Reds said they were signing. I mean, they had to take me off the roster. Yeah, because, yeah, because you got everything. I but, should, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, I I think I'll be fine. I know I'll be fine. I feel better now at 29 than I did at 22, 23. <clears throat> and I've learned to what you what happened. You learn to take care of your body. You learn what you need to do and how to prepare. For, in the off season with mobility stuff with strengthening things and we know so much more now and and you know down here i mean you can just get on instagram and look at eric cressy stuff all day and figure out how to work out um but i i think i'll come back fine uh there's no doubt in my mind and i don't see any reason why i can't play to to my mid-30s honestly um or even even longer i mean people do it more totally. I, mean, I, don't, I don't feel i don't feel 29 you know, and I think uh, my arm's just a setback, but I mean, it lasted me 29 years. So, hey, give me a new tendon. Maybe I can last another 20. Who cares? I don't know. Yeah, just keep yeah. throwing. I mean, I assume you're just going to be back on a roster. I mean, your stuff's too good and you're healthy. I mean, you're going to be back somewhere. And I assume it's going to be with the Reds, honestly. And I hope it is. They're a team that needs some help and they and someone that can come up and stay up on that roster, I think, is a perfect guy like you. Absolutely. I mean, I... I you know, just before Price got, uh, you know, fired, we we had like a pitching summit and all that. And I got to talk to him. He's in, you know, I just kind of asked him what he thought where I was and all that. And he basically flat out told me, he's like, dude, you're in the pen as long as you don't screw it up in, in uh, spring. But obviously I got hurt in spring training and we kind of, I don't know, we thought it was something else and it turns out to be the ligament, and which is just kind of, uh, I don't know, it's just, very misfortunate time for that to happen. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I honestly think that if I get back to where I was, then there's no reason why I shouldn't get back up there. Um, you know, cause you see, you see people up there that you're like, man, well I can do that. Or I have better stuff than that. Or, you know, you're not trying to sound cocky, but you do have to be realistic and say, okay, well there's stuff I can and can't do, but then there's stuff like, man, I do this really well and I know I can, continue i know i can get big leaguers out because i've done it and i know you know people i've had here tell me they don't like face it's not uh, fun at bat and it's not easy um you know as long as you don't throw you know dick high fun balls like i did to <laughs> <my catcher. laughs> yeah and you learn real quick not to do that yeah yeah absolutely but no nah, I, I i feel fairly certain that, that uh yeah once i get healthy and get going again i'll be back up just not when <laughs> 